0: What are the chances of us doing this just once this time? <laughs> I say as I look down to make sure we're
1: recording. As my late, adorable grandmother would say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Shlimatunan.
2: <laughs>
0: Hi, Ellen uh, wait, are you Are you Patricia? Yeah. Are you? Okay. You guys, before we go one step further, we have to remind you, we've got a live show coming up in New York City. Are you excited? <laughs> I
1: cannot wait.
0: We actually have two live shows coming up. It's the 16th and the 17th of July. There's still a few tickets left to the show on the 17th. Come and join us. We have done strategy meetings. You guys have no idea what we have planned. Well,
1: you and I had some really, really big plans. And Steve was like, you you guys cannot have a parade of elephants down (laughs) 8th Avenue. I have to put my foot down at some point.
0: (laughs) Poor Steve. His, like, notebook of notes. You see the pencil starting to get there's smoke rising from the page from all the (laughs) ideas that we have. Can it be a camel? No camels. <laughs> what about a shark tank? Can we get a shark tank? Hey, clear the way in the old bazaar. <laughs> hey, you, let us you guys come and see us go to our website go to any of our social media posts you'll see the pinned post for the tickets it's gonna be bananas you're gonna want to say that you were there also join us on the Patreon you guys every month you get three full bonus episodes ad free they're bananas right they are so so much fun and you also get the monthly true crime trivia like over a thousand people come we bring special guests are you gonna talk or are you just gonna burp
1: yeah I'm Burping number one, but you're you're doing all the talking. You're doing so great.
0: <laughs> oh, are you resting your vocal cords? Yes. Uh, are you resting? <laughs> I'm your... saving
1: it for the live show. What if I just want a vocal rest for a month? I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. You guys do it without me. Do it without me.
0: All right, you guys. Season five, episode two. Dancing into darkness tells the disappearance
3: of
2: Susan Walsh,
3: a single mother writer, and stripper.
2: Susan was not a victim. When she was on the bar dancing, she was definitely in control of what was going on.
3: Susan Walsh makes a phone call across the street from her home and disappears.
2: The fact that Susan didn't take anything with her, there was obviously no planning in anything.
3: Leaving an 11-year-old son behind.
4: She would have not left town without a mother and just picked up on her own and just left.
3: And a mystery that
5: baffles police. Well over
4: a dozen people were able to pick
5: Susan's picture and say she was here just hours ago.
3: As the search for Susan gets underway, a striking piece of evidence comes to light.
2: That's my beeper. It's probably a stalker right now.
3: Drawing her loved ones into a world
2: of danger. I was told that you might want to stop asking those questions unless you want to disappear too.
1: Yeah, Susan Walsh, guys. We are in my backyard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, Wait, before we go any further, can I just say one thing? I, who's going to stop you, sweetheart? <laughs> go on. From the trailer, I don't usually like take notes on the trailer because I'm like, oh, we're going to get to all right. this anyway. In the trailer, we are told this woman is a single mother, a writer, and a stripper. Yeah. I went, oh, because if that's the job of choice, amazing. My thing is just the confidence. The confidence it takes to be a stripper. I I, you would be a great stripper. Okay,
1: yeah. (laughs) Actually, the couple times that I've gone to female strip clubs, I've really bonded with some of the dancers. I asked a lot of
0: questions. Well, as we learned in this episode, they're all like usually very smart women who have a lot to say. Like, this lady's putting herself through grad school at NYU by stripping. Most of them are. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
3: It's a muggy summer's morning in Nutley, New Jersey. 36-year-old Susan Walsh is at home with her 11-year-old son, David.
4: Susan's son came first in her life. He was, like, the number one priority. Susan was a great mother. She loved her son so much. She did anything for him. Every chance she had, she would spend time with her son. We're told it's a muggy summer morning. Yeah,
0: yep,
1: yep, okay. yep, yep, <laughs> I have some thoughts. Me too. If you've ever suffered yeah. a summer in New York, yeah. you will know that muggy doesn't cover it. No. No. <laughs> When you are talking about a New York summer smack dab in the middle of summer, I might add, Christopher... We're talking about showering Then getting to your either desired location or the subway platform only to be wet again, drenched (laughs) by your own sweat, smelling the garbage and piss and getting on a train without any AC. New York in the summer should be punishment for petty crimes. I
0: agree. My note here was, is there anything worse than a muggy summer morning? Oh, yes. New Jersey. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's (laughs) it. What about like when when you sit and your legs not only stick to whatever thing you've been uh-huh. sitting on but they stick to each other? Uh-huh. Like it's just like it's
0: a little like. Thing. I gotta tell you, I oh, this is what I'm about to say is so gross. I had never heard the expression "swamp ass." Yeah, I, until I, I moved. to What view. about swamp nuts? <laughs> it's a real thing. No. Listen, the humidity. What about swamp my nuts? my hair can feel the humidity. I know it, it's swamp know. nuts. You yeah, never heard of swamp nuts? It's so. I can can smell it. Are you guys ready? We need Down Bitch music because Melissa Hines, No Relation, has entered the
4: chat. Yeah. (laughs) So what, I got an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. So what, I got an attitude.
0: It's H-I-N-E-S, Melissa. I took a picture of her and put it on the Instagram and I just said, Melissa's an entire mood.
1: Yeah. She really, she (laughs) really, Melissa's got a lot of opinions. Yeah. All of them very, very good. And she's Hera.
0: Yeah. Well, can you explain the difference between her and that lady from the other episode?
1: Pat Viola's friends. <laughs> right. So that was Long Island. Uh-huh. Long Island yeah. is a little bit broader. Melissa is a little bit more Hera. Yeah. So, like, remember, I loved her. Yeah. But this is more like, I loved Hera. Yeah. You have to make the differentiation uh-huh. between accents.
0: Melissa is telling us that Susan has a son, an eleven year old. And what's his name? David. An 11- did you watch the show?
1: <laughs> just tell me now. I did. I just wanna know what I'm in for. I'm gonna tell
0: I'm gonna give you an admission though. Tell me. I watched it on one point two five speed. No, you didn't. I did. <laughs>
1: I did. <laughs> The entire audacity you have to sit across from me. when you know I, know. I take delight in a New Jersey accent? I know.
0: No, oh, the New Jersey accent at 1.25 is even better. No. It's don't even it. better. No. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Anyway, Melissa tells us that Susan's son was her life. He was her top priority. Can you say it like Melissa? Her top priority. <laughs> she
1: was a great mother.
0: <laughs> and she loved him very much. And then and then we meet Susan's friend Jill and I went oh she seems less fun than Melissa
2: (laughs) well the kind of stripping that Susan and I were doing in New Jersey go-go bars it was more bikini dancing it wasn't topless you were not allowed to touch or be touched and I certainly preferred it that way
0: Jill gives us a lot of good information. Look, Jill ends up not being less fun than Melissa. She just comes off as less fun. Right. It's like you to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You come off I'm as less. I'm not
1: following fun. that logic, but yeah. it's like a really fast car. I don't have time to stop and look at what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm just like, meow. okay. Okay.
0: So, it's like, no, no, no. What you mean to say, it's like an obviously in-distressed person on the side of the highway. You just drive right past. you don't even see them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get to Panera. <laughs> yeah,
1: we. You're saying this like you're telling them something new. No, we they all, all know savage. I'm a horrible, inconsiderate driver.
3: That and it's almost impossible to hide your own dead body.
1: Nearly. These are things we are know. Okay.
3: Okay. All right. Despite the rising temperatures outside, Susan leaves the apartment around noon to make a phone call. She doesn't have her own telephone at home.
4: She liked little things in life. She wasn't materialistic, which I really looked up to her that way because a lot of people are, and she really didn't look at those things as being valuable. It was more like love between people and friendship for her. So we learn that like despite the temperature, Susan leaves
0: the apartment that day because she's got to go make a call. And we also learn that Susan does not have a landline. And like Melissa really looked up to her apparently because she wasn't materialistic. I don't think having a phone makes you materialistic. Yeah. I, I also and this is a real honest to god question. Why would you be a stripper if you weren't making amazing money doing it?
1: Right. And are yeah. we allowed to say stripper? Did yes. You we yes, I can't... looked it up. Okay. Yes, Great.
2: you never know. I know.
1: I looked <laughs> it up. I googled it. There was an article in the Times, like just a couple of weeks ago, about stripper culture. It is totally acceptable to say. I was
0: fully prepared to say adiziest the entire time.
1: Oh, if anyone gets that deep cut, <laughs> DM us. <laughs> also, just the the safety of it all, just kind of like yeah. went through my mind, not having a landline in case of emergency. But we learned that her ex husband Mark does. It's not an.
0: It's a utility. Like it's. Not not a normal thing to not have a phone. Like, somebody yeah. should have intervened. She's got a kid at the house. Like, there should be a phone there.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think that there is any, you know, back in 1996, there is any law, but you're right. It is a utility. It's a utility. You have to be I don't to...
0: mean like she should be in trouble. Right. I mean, somebody should go help her yeah. and get a phone in there. Absolutely. Also... Girl, you're not making enough money stripping, so get out of that line of work.
1: Yeah, we're going to find some
4: stuff out. Okay.
3: (laughs) On her way out, Susan stops by her estranged husband Mark's apartment. Although they are no longer together, Susan and Mark live in the same building.
2: It's hard to say when they separated because they didn't necessarily move away from each other. They were, for financial reasons, they had to stay in the same house. Mark lived in the bottom of this house and she lived in the top of it. It was a sort of a mutual arrangement where they could help bring this kid up together, essentially.
1: So she lives in the same building, sort of picture a duplex, like a home. Yeah. I mean, as her ex-husband, Mark. So the John Spira of it all. I just
0: said, this probably makes a lot of sense to you. Yeah. (laughs) This is a situation I feel like you, if you haven't been in it, it's in your future.
1: Listen, I understand (laughs) people who have, you know, financial reasons to stay in the same house. I mean, listen, Nobody's keeping exes together if they can help it. Okay, so so it had to have been some kind of big colossal decision. Yeah. Nobody wants your drama downstairs no. from you.
0: Yeah, and like they do it because they can co-parent. Right. Although we learned that the dad isn't around very much. Like her new boyfriends have to do the child care. There's a lot going on that needs to be addressed in this at this address. Yeah. So the chaos of it all. Yeah.
1: Isn't us this week?
0: Right. It's actually the story. <laughs> Write that down. Although Oh, I feel like we're not going to disappoint in the chaos department. Yeah, but usually you already like, had a good sob. I did before. have a sob. <laughs> I did
1: have a sob. I cried it
0: out today already, yeah, just-, <laughs> just once. Oh, the thing I love about you is that you are—if you're going to cry, you're going to cry. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not—it's not dainty, yeah. and, no, and nor should it be. Right? You know? Right, you yeah. really—you really let it all out. Yeah, tell them
1: more. No, I love you so much. <laughs> So we meet Papa Floyd and, you know, he says how much, you know, how devoted she was. And then we learn about her stripping and we get this promo video.
3: But Susan is not your typical single mother. Susan is a stripper.
4: Hi, I'm Susan Walsh and I'm a dancer. This is what I do for you when I dance in gentlemen's clubs. What was this video made
1: for? So the promo video. I am not uncomfortable ab- no. about this video because of the world of stripping or sex work. I'm uncomfortable because of the production value. Yeah,
0: it's also unclear. Like she's using her full real name, but it also says Midnight Blue at the bottom. Yeah, I'm very confused.
1: And it's, it's really like it, it. It looks like one of those old videos that you got, you made at the mall where you yeah. could like sing to a song at oh. the mall and then oh, make oh, I a bet video. you did that all
0: the time. I did. <laughs>
1: I did. Did you have a favorite song? Proud Mary. Wildly inappropriate as it turns out because I didn't know the history of Ike and Tina yeah, Turner. Nor did I know that a little eight-year-old should have been like, I left a good job in the city. Working for the man. Oh, I did. And I and I did these arms. And I was like, river. do, 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 do. And I made a video. Does this exist somewhere? Ask me where the video is. Where's the video? Burned in my mom's house fire. Uh, no. Gone. Oh. Gone with my youth and my communion dress. Whoa,
0: did you want is do we should we do we talk about the Holocaust now? <laughs> when do we talk about the Holocaust? This Ellen? is where
1: you remind me that we're doing a comedy yeah. podcast. <laughs> Holy shit. So this video, this video was epically confusing to me. Again, not because of what she was doing. No.
0: Yeah, and she's using her her real name. And and we should say that, like, Susan, Susan wanted to be a writer. And, like, we'll get more into this later. Like, she was not, like, she didn't aspire to be a writer. She was on track to be a writer. and we're going to learn. She... Hustle. Yes. Like, she was gonna do this. But, thing. like, I'm just saying, like, she's using her full real name. She clearly was not ashamed of the work that she yeah. was doing and fucking good for her. She was
1: doing it for a long time. Her work also included massage and some S&M and m yeah. dancing. Yeah, and go
0: dancing. But we learned this from a guy named James, who's a journalist slash Susan's mentor.
1: Yeah. So, let me just say. Yeah. Until I Googled that James is no longer with us as of February 2021, yeah. I called him a mansplaining fossil in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> stand by that yeah, okay. he is a mansplaining fossil <laughs> however he is no longer with us so and yeah. my condolences to his family
0: okay who are they are in the drama club for they sure. are they... at least <laughs> at the five dollar level
2: susan had been in and out of this world for some time so she had worked in strip clubs she'd spent a little time in a massage parlor and maybe she had done some SM. she had been in clubs like the aftermath of plato's retreat I mean, these were sort of cleaned up clubs. Well, the kind of stripping that Susan and I were doing in New Jersey go-go bars, it was more bikini dancing. It wasn't topless. You were not allowed to touch or be touched.
1: Backstory about how she got into wait. Stripping.
0: Excuse me. What? I have a note here that says boring. Jill tells us they weren't <laughs> like they weren't like like taking their clothes off strippers. They were bikini dancers. No, so that they- was
1: when she was go go dancing. She was stripping in Times Square when she was go go dancing in Jersey. They have different laws.
0: Do they skip parts when you watch it at one point two five? Probably.
1: <laughs> Stick with me, kid. I'll teach you how to podcast. <laughs> So the back They all were talking so fast. Yeah, I you know. Mean, yeah, they were. It's almost like listening to you on an average day. What are you saying? I got every other word. Day by day, I will start day crying again. Day. I will shut this podcast down with my sobs. Yeah, and so we learned that she started stripping while she was attending William Patterson College in New Jersey. She was a writer and she wrote for
0: The Beacon. And I knew you were, I knew you were you have such Emerson pride. What's
1: the beacon? It's Tell the them. Berkeley
0: Beacon was the school paper at Emerson, but the Beacon is the Did you pi- ever read it? Never. I
1: wrote for the Berkeley Beacon. Of <laughs> course.
0: Do you have any What? What, did you have a column Seth? What was your, what'd you write for the Berkeley Beaks? I wrote theater stuff for the Berkeley Beacon. You did? Yes.
1: Why don't you know anything about my life? I
0: just didn't know any. What's my middle name? Marie.
1: That's only because it's in my TikTok name.
0: (laughs) I didn't know that anybody actually did any work at Emerson. So I'm just shocked. I worked (laughs) really hard. I I did not. Do you know why? Why? Because
1: I didn't take my education for granted because I was poor. (laughs) Oh.
0: Are we doing the poor off again? No. Do we have to talk about the government No, piece? but I just got
1: really excited that it was called The Beacon. Anyway, the paper was actually very well respected. It was a very, like, high-profile school paper. And the
0: guy who's telling us this is, like, then later scandalized to find out that this woman, Susan, his friend from college, is, like, dancing in Times Square.
3: Susan first began dancing while attending William Patterson College in New Jersey. It was there that she also began writing for the school newspaper, The Beacon.
0: I met Susan Walsh at the offices of the William Patterson College Beacon. Somebody called me and said, you won't believe what Susan is doing now. And I'm like, try me. And they're like, she's dancing at Show World Center in Times Square. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I just wrote this guy can fuck right off, and I he comes back. His name is Glenn. He's kind of a wet blanket, to use yeah. an expression. Yeah, but it should also be said that
1: she worked at Show World in Times Square, and yeah. I think Show World is still there. It
0: is a block from my apartment. Yeah, it's on Eighth it Avenue, yes, right? Yeah, that's I what walked I thought. by there the other day getting pizza. I was like, <laughs> "Hi, Show World!" And then I love the new thing about Show World is that it used to always have a sign that said "Girls, Girls, Girls," "Girls, Girls, Girls," and now it just and now there's like a little sign that says "Men." <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah.
1: There is a whole branch of TikTok where strippers talk about their experience and their oh money my God. that they make. Oh. It's it's really fascinating. I mean, it's a it's a whole spectrum of experiences and yeah. Anyway. But so
0: like this is where Melissa is saying, Melissa, Susan's friend, is telling us, like, you guys, let's normalize being a stripper and dancing yeah. at a bar. Like, which I agree hundred percent. She's like, You can make a shit ton of money, you can live a totally normal life. And I was like, But then why doesn't she have a phone?
1: Right. You know yeah, what I mean? that was really confusing. Do I mean,
0: you... we are going to find out later that she's spending her money other places. But right. like, and I'm, I'm not making a joke. Like, having a phone isn't that expensive. Like, in fact, if she had had one, we wouldn't be here. She she went to NYU graduate school. I, and she was paying for it with her dancing.
1: Yeah. Do you know how much NYU tuition was last year? How much? $54,000. $880. NYU is a private school. Yeah, I and know. she was in the graduate program. Yeah. So sis was making some coins. But like, you can afford grad school but not a farm? I know. There must be something else there. She wasn't, yeah, she wasn't ashamed of the money she was making. She wasn't ashamed of being a stripper. And she was very transparent with all of her friends and family about what she was doing to achieve her dreams of being a writer.
0: And we learned from her dad that like when she was with her husband, Mark, who lives in the basement now for some weird reason that makes total sense to you. Right. She was the breadwinner. like, and, and the dad's like, she worked real hard to bring home the bacon. She
1: did. I know. I know the way you said that. We also then see this backstage video of her somewhere. And she's talking to the camera. And she was explaining how she had dabbled in sex work. But the only reason she did that was to help pay for her graduate degree so that she could be a writer. Again, she was very open and transparent yeah. about all of this. Absolutely.
3: On that hot summer's day. Susan tells her husband, Mark, that she needs to call her agent, who books her jobs in the go-go clubs.
2: Mark had the phone in his name, so she had to go out and make phone calls that Mark didn't approve of.
3: Like many of Susan's family and friends, Mark has begun to suspect that Susan is using drugs. In the past, Susan has struggled with addiction, though worked hard to overcome it so now we're
0: back to the day that
3: Susan goes missing
0: and we're Seth, back you should say the day I don't know what day it is <laughs> Jennifer keep that it's July 16th
1: 1996 my little cherub baby it goes
0: by so fast I... when you're watching it at 1.25 wow <laughs>
1: I have learned so many new things here
0: today. Wait, what was the date? July 16th, 1996. We're back to the day that Susan goes missing. It's July 16th, 1996. And we're back in that situation that is completely strange to everyone, but yeah. makes sense to you. It
1: doesn't where... make sense to me. <laughs> where I just feel bad. the ex-husband,
0: Mark, lives in the basement. Susan is going outside to make a phone call.
1: Also, it should be said that Mark, I actually, I have I, I have two stances on this. Sometimes he would allow her to use his phone. Wait, that but... was I have like 15 jokes about this. Oh, okay, then go. I thought you were skipping because you didn't really watch the documentary. No, go on. I did watch it.
0: Well, we don't know why at this point. We think he's just being an asshole, which so like and then they move on and later on we find out why. What she's doing right now is calling her quote they say agent and it's not I know, the right word, I but I don't know what other word to use. She's saying that she's calling her agent who books her like stripping gigs. And Mark we find out later that Mark doesn't want her, want to let her use his phone for those sorts of things.
1: Right, which you know I kind of get because it's sort of like this was a world that maybe we don't know this for a fact but maybe had a hand in their divorce Yeah, maybe they fell out because of it and he was just kind of like listen my can, guess is yes yeah but yeah. You basically <laughs> saying if you're going to kind of like have this life of stripping and we're going to find out a little bit seedier you know yeah. scarier and, and like things. sex
0: work which is a fine decision for her to make but I can also understand that her husband might not be comfortable with right. that right and yeah. so he
1: was just like then you don't get to use my phone yeah like if it's going to be pertaining to that go across the street and use the payphone if you have something serious regarding you or our son of course you can use my phone i agree i think we might be
0: giving mark a lot of credit like we mark by the way sure. is not here nope. mark, mark is nope. not is not interviewed for this documentary sure. which i also feel two ways about i feel like maybe he's just a fucking asshole but also maybe he's like my son needs to get on with his totally. life Thank and you. i don't want to like perpetuate this yeah. by sitting down for an interview i mean
1: <laughs> trust and believe i'm not one to make excuses for men right. <laughs> but it yeah. was clear that sometimes she was able to use his telephone
0: and and we anyway. learned, too, that, like, she had been addicted to drugs in her past. And, you know, and that's another thing. He doesn't want her using her phone if she's calling a drug dealer. Right. And we get the story about Christmas Eve 1984 when she was arrested with, on possession charges and taken to jail, and her dad went and picked her up. And the dad tells us that, like, from that day forward for 11 and a half years, she was sober. Yeah. And we're going to hear time and time again that, like, at this point in her life, the day that she goes missing, like, you know, for the weeks before that, she was, like, slipping back into drugs and alcohol.
1: Right. And for those years that she was sober, she didn't do anything. She didn't so much as smoke a cigarette or have a drop of alcohol. Nothing.
3: Now, worried that Susan might be using drugs again, Melissa decides to stage an intervention.
4: That morning, I was talking with a mutual friend of hers, Joey Williams. We had both decided that we were going to confront her about everything and tell her that we would be there for her, that we would help her to get into a rehab and get her life together.
0: And so this is where Melissa is back. So like in the weeks preceding that her going missing, I never saw her do drugs or drink, but I kind of got the sense that she was. So I was gonna stage an intervention. So I call my friend Joey. So we don't meet Joey, no. but I am convinced Joey is a gay and he knows the lake bottom and the gay is a gay.
1: So how does Joey talk to Melissa? Hey bitch,
0: I don't want to see you
1: drinking the cosmotinis, bitch. Alright, we gotta be nice to her, Joey, alright? Right. We gotta make sure that she's Stays clean. It's yes, she's not bitch. sober. Yes, bitch. My name's Melissa. I know, bitch. Who's your friend? His name's
0: Jeremy. He
1: comes from Lake Seminole, bitch. <laughs> all right, Jeremy, we're going to have an <laughs> intervention. All right.
0: I just love the idea of these two doing the intervention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Y'all need a gay named Joey. Ellen's got one. Yeah, I've got a couple. <laughs> so.
1: She does something that's going to confuse some of the children. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what she does?
0: Uh, she says she's going to be there for her. No,
1: no, no. If you would have watched it, you would have known that <laughs> Melissa pages her. Oh. Do right. the kids know about
0: pagers? <laughs> pagers were a blip on the radar. Oh, like, I love like my pager. Human existence <laughs> is going to eventually be. So a pager was a receive-only device, right? <laughs> kind of like. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, she's at the age that she is. And she's, she's old and she's lazy. <laughs> and she's sick of giving it back. Yeah. She's old <laughs> and she's selfish. <laughs> I am officially receive only, gentlemen. <laughs> and ladies. You know, at this point, let's just... Don't let, know. Oh, God. Now your DMs are going to go through the roof.
1: I'm just saying. Cast a wide net. You Les know what I mean? Let's love you.
0: It's only because I love them.
1: <laughs> so Melissa can't get a hold of her. And Joey's
0: like, where is she, bitch? I want to do the intervention. And I love that Joey came hammered Joey, to the... Yeah, he came he with, came with a, Cosmo, a
1: picture of Cosmos. Hammer. He's
0: like, wait, what? She's like, Joey,
1: y'all. <laughs> We're going to talk to her because she's stripping and she's doing drugs.
0: uh. Don't be drunk in front of her. uh. No, these Cosmos are just
4: for me, bitch. Oh, God, Joey.
3: Melissa drives to Susan's house to see if she can catch
4: her in person. I went to her house. I noticed that the door that was usually open was locked shut. The windows were locked shut. And it was 98 degrees out that day. And I rang the doorbell. Nobody answered. Nobody's car was there. In the pit of my stomach, I knew something had happened to her.
1: So Melissa does what any down bitch wants to do, and she tries to break into her house. (laughs) I would do it too. You're not answering your pager. I'm going to go into your house.
0: (laughs) Melissa also remembers the temperature of the day, though. She's like, it was 98 (laughs) degrees, and all the doors and windows were closed. What the fuck is going on? Didn't
1: we all agree to lock our fucking doors? (laughs) So there's also no car. Nobody is home. And then she says... Something's happened, Hera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her accent kills me. So Melissa gives it an hour, and then she runs into David, her son, and Mark, her ex-husband. They're holding bags from staples.
0: They went school supply shopping. Yeah. Guess who shows up to take Melissa to work? Joey. Hammered. Joey. <laughs> Joey shows up, he's her ride, she's not there, and he waits. And I said, he, he waits for a couple of hours. And I was like, you could get all the way through the Immaculate Collection that I time. Know. You know what I mean? So Melissa keeps paging Last Susan. Last night I dreamt of San, San Pedro. It
1: like yesterday, not far, not far away. away. That's Joey. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Melissa keeps paging Susan, and twenty, literally 24 hours later, Mark finally calls the police to report Susan missing.
3: The Nutley police travel to Susan's apartment to interview Mark and their son David about her last known movements. The investigation quickly hones in on Susan's telephone call.
5: Susan didn't have her own phone at the time. She used Mark's phone downstairs in his basement apartment. But from what we found out, there were certain calls that he didn't want her making from his apartment. Some of them were her agents that were trying to get her bookings. Other were people that she just had nicknames for. And this is where we find out that,
0: like, the last time anybody saw Susan, she was going to the payphone across the street because Mark wouldn't fucking let her use his fucking phone. Well, oh, shoot. I know. I, and Mark was literally like, because she was Also, have...
1: what if, like, listen, again, stripping, fine. I have known several people. I know people on Broadway who have stripped. There is no shame in that game, but maybe he didn't want David hearing that conversation. And I
0: think it really had more to do with the drugs. I do think that like there's nothing you can do for somebody who's slipping back into addiction if they don't want to get help. Right. And I think that he's like, I'm just not gonna enable it. And yeah. I don't know. I like I don't know if Mark is a good guy or not. He's not here. Nobody tells us what yeah. they think about him. But like, you know, I don't know. There's like like if he had just let her use the phone, we wouldn't be here
1: I probably. Know. I know, you're right. Yeah. And they can't trace a payphone, which I actually thought was a little weird.
0: Yeah, I feel like Rabia has something to yeah. say about all Could this.
1: Someone- Cause someone Google that because I didn't. <laughs> I usually Google everything and yeah. I didn't Google that one. But yeah. they search her apartment and here's the thing. Everything was there, right? Her pager, her keys, her wallet, yeah. everything was there. So then they start to investigate but they were her. saying
0: like obviously she meant to come back. Like the, the point of right. that, yeah. even at 1.25 I could tell what they were trying to tell us. Right. Was that like she was just running across the street to make a quick phone call. God, and if you like rely on a payphone, you always have to have quarters. That's yeah. got to be a nightmare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honey, we did it at one point in our life. So this is where we find out, wow, that she was living with a 21-year-old man by the name of Christian Peppo. Christian
4: was living with her upstairs because she felt that she could count on him to watch David or to be there if she needed to go to work because she couldn't count all the time on David's father.
3: According to Christian, Susan did not say whom she was going to call nor did she return by the time he left the apartment.
4: And the thing
0: about this, too, is that we see a picture of him. Disappear didn't see that till post. Yeah. Because the guy they have playing, this Christian Peppo in the reenactment, looks nothing like the real guy. Yeah. He's 21 years old. He's her live-in boyfriend. And he's he's kind of, like, cute. He's got, like, curly blonde hair. The guy in the reenactment looks like Christina Ricci. Yeah. Like, like long, dark hair, <laughs> skinny piercings. I was like, I don't think they saw a picture of the guy. They called the
1: extras department. They're yeah. like, you got anybody who looks like this guy? <laughs> no, I got a, a Christina Ricci
0: look-alike. That'll work. <laughs> We're shooting Casper, too. Yeah, I could send her stand-in. <laughs> so we learned that this Christian guy, who was,
1: for all intents and purposes, her live-in boyfriend?
0: But we learned that the, like, Melissa tells us the only reason she wanted him living there was for child care. To help with David? <laughs> because I this is where wrote... we learned that like Mark, the dad who lives in the fucking basement, can't be relied upon for childcare for his own kid. Yeah, I just wrote, Hmm. I know. That's all I wrote. But uh, Christian seems fine with the arrangement. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And so when Susan went to the payphone, Christian was watching a movie with David. And by 1.45, Christian
0: was taking a bus to the city. And like, so she went across the street to make a phone call at 12.15. Right. She shouldn't come back. Yeah. And at 1.45, he's like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get on the bus and go into the city. So much like, for that child care thing I we know. talked so much about. <laughs> Like, he's not concerned that his cougar girlfriend has not come back. Right. Who's watching the kid? Nobody yeah. knows. He's just getting on the bus and going into Times Square, for God only knows what.
1: Yeah. That sounds like something my aunt would say, for God only knows what. <laughs>
0: well, it was 1996. Maybe he was going to get into the rush ticket line for rent.
1: Oh, how cute are you? <laughs> Turning it into a little theater thing. <laughs> So they start to dig into Susan's personal life a little bit more, and they sort of find a a list of abusive relationships and a lot of domestic violence. And the last relationship she was in, I guess, before Christian, yeah, ended up with a phone call to the police and a restraining order. Uh-huh. Isn't Isn't that the way most relationships end? <laughs>
0: Right. Wasn't it you who was telling me about like your friend that broke up with her boyfriend and you're like, oh, what's the court date? Yeah. Girl. I thought that's the way they all end. <laughs> Lawyers, court dates, restraining orders. No? Custody battles. No. No. Okay. And We're... the one guy that she was dating before, Christian, showed up at her house and beat up Christian. Yeah. what? Christian's just there for the babysitting and the free movies. It's like, I'm just here to help out with the kid. <laughs> so weird. So they go to
1: search to investigate people in this town of Nutley. And yeah. a lot of people around town do say they remember her speaking on the phone that day especially the pizza parlor across the street
3: as the nutley police follow up on dozens of leads several witnesses come forward claiming to have seen susan on the day she disappeared including an employee from the pizza parlor across the street from her apartment
2: the pizza man said he saw her going back into her house so she wasn't going where she was going back into her house
3: friends and family wonder if the police should be looking closer to home.
2: Yeah, so
0: they were, the, the guy at the pizza place remembers seeing her at the payphone and he remembers seeing her go home. And the cops are telling us that, like, it looks like this Christian guy or the ex-husband maybe did this, but there's no evidence that, yeah. that they did. And Melissa, the best friend, is like, I think whatever happened to her, uh, happened in that apartment, but there's no, like, you can't kill somebody in a house and then clean it up that fast. Yeah. You know?
1: And Mark and Christian were actually super cooperative. Yeah. And the police were basically like, we have no reason to believe that either one of them had anything to do with it, which goes against all my internal instincts.
0: Because right. it's always the husband <laughs> or the boyfriend. No, always. And so now it's August nineteen ninety six. Tell tell them where we are. In Nutley, New Jersey? No. Where? In Newark. Oh. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I spent a weekend in Newark and I liked it. I no, you didn't. I no, did. you didn't, Patrick. You... I liked it. No.
1: No, you have Stockholm syndrome. Okay. You
0: don't.
1: <laughs> well, you don't remember how bad and disgusting it was. We are in
0: Newark. Nothing
1: it's... good happens in Newark except okay. for the IKEA. Okay. <laughs>
0: so it's been a month since susan has disappeared the investigation is getting cold the media picks up the story and that brings people out of the woodwork saying that they had seen her and it's one sex worker in particular comes forward and like with a story
3: one month after susan goes missing a prostitute in the city of newark comes forward claiming to have seen her
5: this informant who didn't wish to be identified stated that she had met susan on the streets of newark they had been working the streets of newark She took her into her apartment, gave her a place to stay. She knew some facts about Susan that hadn't been printed in the newspapers that to this day, I don't know how anybody could have known unless, indeed, she had been with Susan.
1: Yeah, and so this actually happened in my town. Oh, really? In Jersey City. Yeah. A sex worker from Jersey City came forward and said they were both engaging in sex work, and the thing that the police said was she actually knew information that was not leaked to the public, and there was no social media back in 1996. She knew all about her son David and his age. This sex worker said that the reason Susan escaped was because she said if she didn't, she was going to die by suicide.
0: And that's, like, we only hear that from this one cop. Like, the one cop is like, this other sex worker Definitely knew her, and then it cuts to Melissa. And Melissa's like, "I think she's full of shit." Yeah, she's like, "I met this broad." No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I talked to her. <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> So, yeah, and it seems sort of like, what am I missing? That the yeah. cop is like, I interviewed this lady. She knew things that only somebody who knew Susan would have known. Yeah, and but it Melissa, wasn't just her. It, yeah. And
1: other people picked her
0: up out of a lineup. A couple other people were like, yeah, I know her. And the cops are saying that like she felt just out of reach. And we we hear yeah. this a lot in these cases, that like the cops would show up someplace where they heard she had been, and they would put down six photos for the clerk, right? and the guy would pick her, yeah. her only, and be like, she was definitely... definitely... Definitely here like two hours ago.
1: Right. So then a couple people tell them that Susan had been experiencing homelessness. She had slipped back into her old habits. She was on drugs. But everybody sort of corroborated she was alive just living this dangerous lifestyle.
3: But police find persuasive evidence of Susan's desperate state in an interview filmed only two days before she disappeared.
4: I go through swings. I think we all do. I've been through swings of rage uh, where I'd go with my girlfriend to do male bashing and make fun of men, and then I've cried on stage. And then there's times, there's a good song on it, and I said I'm just gonna escape into the music. And sometimes it's easier, and then sometimes I feel the pain.
3: The footage is part of a documentary called Stripped, made by Susan's friend, Jill Morley.
4: This is where I
0: wrote, you guys, turns out Boring Friend Jill is super interesting. Boring Friend Jill is making a documentary? Right.
1: What's it called? Stripping.
0: No, stripped.
1: Oh, you went back. You went too far back. You passed it too fast on your on
0: your double play. She's making a documentary called Stripped, and it's like you know Jill very calmly. She and Melissa don't get together for drinks a lot. Yeah. I feel like Yeah. Jill is telling us that like people have no idea how like interesting and funny and whole yeah. these women yeah. who are strippers are. And Jill had done that job at one time, so she wanted to make a documentary about them and. She She has an interview with Susan Mm -hmm. from two days before she went missing. Yeah,
1: and this is fascinating. And, you know, the main concept of this was to explain that everybody is in this industry of stripping for a different reason. Yeah. And everyone does it for a different reason. So, Susan does not really spin this lifestyle in a positive way in no. this interview. And
0: she's saying that like Susan is telling us in this interview that just two days ago she like fell back into drinking and drugs right. giving up 11 and a half years of sobriety because the life was so hard. And Jill is telling us that like the day of the interview she knew something was really off with yeah. Susan. She was like I don't know if she was exhausted or if it was drugs I don't know what it was but like she something was really off that day and we hear this so much about Susan at at this point in her life, like in the
3: two or three weeks before she went missing, she was really not doing well. Yeah. Police scrutinize the material, looking for any clues foreshadowing Susan's disappearance two days later. One moment in particular grabs their attention. Well, it's
2: that's my
4: beeper. Oh, probably a stalker right now. <laughs> I do, I do have a
5: stalker. Susan had made several reports that she felt she was being followed and stalked by males she had met at strip clubs. Susan often dated people she had met in strip clubs. And there's this one moment in the video. The cops are like, "There was an interesting
0: clue." Like Susan, in the middle of her interview, her pager goes off, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, that's probably my stalker." And everyone laughs, and she's like, "No, you guys, I'm fucking serious. Yeah. I'm a fucking stalker." It
1: was so creepy. Yeah. And best friend Melissa corroborated this. She was like, "Yeah, Susan had a man follow her home from work, showed up at her door two months before she went missing." Yeah. And so we get we go back we go back to fossil asshole mansplainer and yeah. he basically explains that susan was totally in control of her life right. she <laughs> i mean even though we've just seen this footage that says she's very very pained and she's sad and she's leading a dark life yeah. and then he totally mansplains that she was in control of everything that was happening yeah. and no she wasn't right no she wasn't sir yeah. and also don't speak for a woman and don't speak for how she feels and whatever anybody reason is for doing sex work or getting by however they have to is their business and we don't need to say they're just fine they're in control some women (laughs) might
0: be she just told us she wasn't right so it's been a month since Susan has vanished. And her friend Melissa is like, I think the fact that she worked in the sex industry really clouded the investigation. And it cuts to the cop that's been with us through this whole thing. And he goes, I categorically deny that. I went to every sex club in the state of New Jersey <laughs> looking for Susan. And you can sort of see the twinkle in his eye yeah. as he says it, sir. Yeah,
1: I did my investigation. <laughs> So we learned that during this time, remember, she was a writer, and she was really, really passionate about it, and she was really good. She had started working for The Village Voice. You remember The Village
0: Voice? Do I remember The Village Voice? Of course I remember The Village Voice. Tell the
1: people what The Village Voice was. The Village
0: Voice started out as like an alternative paper, I want to say like in the 60s or something, and it just really gained a cult following. It's not really the right thing. But it was like, you know, The New York Times is like the straightforward news, and The Village Voice covered more of like the counterculture and the subculture stuff. and arts,
1: culture, and Yeah. And it was free. It was free. You grab a Village Voice and hop on the train and, you know, read through it and thumb through it. But she was writing. And that's where Fossil James Ridgway knows her
2: from. I was working on a book about the sex industry. And I was trying to do it from the point of view of the people in the industry. And I had a really hard time finding anybody to help me.
3: For help, Jim turns to Al Goldstein, editor of Screw, a popular muckraking magazine about the sex industry.
2: I explained to him that I was completely going nuts doing this. And he then said, well, he knew this young stripper named Susan Walsh. Who wanted to be a writer. Christopher
0: tells us it was a popular muckraking magazine about the sex industry. Muckraking, Christopher.
1: Yeah, is that like a mukbang? Do you know what a mukbang is? Uh-uh. Where they eat all that food really loud?
0: That <laughs> sounds like something you would do. It sounds like how you would eat. Uh, no. No. Do you eat, Are you allowed or are you more of a dainty eater? You eat with me all the time. <laughs> you can take yeah. a plate of chicken
1: wings uh-huh. and make it look like you murdered a chicken. <laughs> like with your bare hands. Listen, do not get in the, between him and a plate of buffalo wings, it's, you gotta grab one when it gets put down, and then uh-huh. it, it's it's an att- it's an attack.
0: But the point is, Jim hires this woman, Susan, to work with him because he's she's like his way into the sex industry. So
1: one thing they were this is gonna sound really random, and I'm gonna throw it out there, but it does have a callback later. So one of the stories she was looking into was about the influx of dancers coming in from Russia. They were classic trained dancers yeah. that were being lured under false pretenses to come and work as strippers. That's how sex trafficking works. Right. Like, this happens all the time. But the thing was, this investigative journey ended up that a lot of this was being funneled in from Russia through the Russian mafia. And
0: two things to say here. Everyone, Jim especially, is saying, like, no one ever worked harder than Susan. Yeah. Like, not only was she, like, eager to do the job, she was great at it. Yeah. And she, like, was really dedicated to it, really wanted to like help him really wanted to write when she starts investigating this Russian angle yeah. about the sex workers in New York like everyone all of her friends are saying like it was real what she was doing was dangerous like she looked at it as an adventure she wanted to do a good job but she was like embedding herself in this community that had like Russian mafia ties and everyone is saying like this could actually be what happened to her yeah. maybe she wasn't out on the streets like doing sex work and it, it, something happened like it could be because on August 2nd 1994 she she gets her first piece published in The Village Voice, and it's all about yeah. the Russian sex work. And I got to tell you, as a former writer in New York, getting a piece published in The Village Voice is a big fucking Huge deal. Huge deal, yeah. And so, like, they're saying that she's exposing the Russian mob, and that could have been what got her in the end. Actually,
1: on her Wikipedia page, it's, like, the third sentence. Oh, my God. Is that it was it was presumed to be have Russian mob ties. She also starts investigating the <laughs> underground vampire clubs in New York. <laughs> we- and I was like,
2: okay. <laughs> well, I had gotten a tip from somebody that there was a theft of blood by vampire people. So I suggested to Susan that she go to a club or something. So she went to a couple of places and it was a total zero, you know, it was just a waste of time. Man. Although
3: her research doesn't pan out for the expose she had planned. Susan writes the article and
2: submits it to The Voice for publication. They wouldn't run it, and she felt really bad, and I felt terrible.
0: It was Jim that got the tip about the vampires, and it turned out to be nothing, but she wrote the piece anyway. And The Village Voice was like,
1: <laughs> uh, no. No. That's a hard pass. We, yeah, I think we draw it at vampire clubs <laughs> with drinking of blood. I must say, I must say, pop the brakes, Tigger.
0: Uh, Jim says, like, that was sort of the tail end of them working together and that, like, he wasn't seeing her a lot during that time, but he did know that she was starting to really have problems.
1: Right. And so, Jim Ridgeway, the fossil, his book was called Red Light and it's published. And Susan is credited as being the researcher. It was three years of her work. It was a big deal. And
0: this friend, Glenn, from the beginning, he was the one that was, like, her college friend that was scandalized to find out she was stripping. Right. He's like, she invited him to one of these parties where she was like getting up and dancing and like, you know, doing her. She's a dancer. Yeah. And he says that she was trying to show up the drag queens. And he goes, There
5: was one party at uh, Sally's Hideaway. It was the book people and some of the drag queens. And she's on the dance floor and she's trying to like, you know, show up the drag queens. Which you don't do. You You don't don't do that.
0: that.
1: anything that you do in this life. Yeah,
0: it's not that. Not that. But we also learned her friends that were at these parties with her that night are saying that like she was also starting to say that people were after her yeah. like the CIA, the Russian mob. And it's like, you know, her friend Jill is like, I think that she was on drugs and was doing dangerous yeah. stuff but I also think she was, I don't know if it was real or not if she was starting to like lose connection with reality or was the Russian mafia really after her? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote Russian mafia question mark. <laughs>
1: (laughs) So Jill did a story for This American Life. Uh, A
0: podcast nerds unite. We're going to just like skip over This American Life. Are you kidding?
1: No, I was talking
0: about it. (laughs) You then, the
1: beginning of your sentence, interrupted the middle of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But I was going to say something more. Great. What were you going to say? I was going to say she went undercover. Yes. As a dancer to go to these Russian places to do an expose. And the bouncer came over and I they're like, what are you doing? <laughs>
0: and like, she got busted she immediately. And she she was got, like I was wearing a wire. Yeah, she's like, I was wearing a wire. <laughs> I don't
1: think. There's a lot of people like a of piss off in this world that I'm thinking the Russian mafia isn't one of
0: them. Ira Glass, I hold you accountable for this, girl. Please don't send people into, into Russian mafia bars to get the story, yeah. girl.
1: Not worth it. So to recap, yeah. <laughs> we got the Russian mafia, yeah. vampire cult members, yeah. and possibly anyone that she might have talked shit about in her papers in the past. Yeah. But all of those are actually pretty much dead ends.
0: Yeah, they say the case stalls, and the head detective guy is. Like, I think she left on purpose. He's like, I care. I I think about her, but I think she left on purpose. So in 2005,
1: Lieutenant Steve Rogers comes to the Nutley Bureau, and he's like, should we, like, talk about this case
3: again?
2: My idea was, you know, sometimes a fresh set of eyes will pick up something that uh, maybe the old set of eyes did not.
3: Among the boxes of evidence are many personal items that the police gathered from Susan's apartment, including a wall calendar that Lieutenant Rogers pays special attention to.
2: So I'm going through January, February, March. Each month she had something logged in, pretty much what her appointments were, who she was gonna see, phone calls she made. As I'm looking through the calendar, I noticed that the month of July was missing.
0: He reopens the case, and he catches something. Like, there's all these boxes of evidence in his office, and one of the things that's in the boxes is this calendar. Did you just used to do this? Like, you would have a monthly calendar that you would hang, and you would write all your appointments on the My actual days? My mom
1: did to, like, keep track of all of our, like, after-school activities. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: I did that. Yeah. And so they're saying, that like, she kept really detailed notes on this calendar, and the month of July is just missing. The whole page. The whole page ripped out of the uh, June
1: to August.
0: Yeah. And nobody noticed that before. So he's like, we need to look into this. In general, we're gonna go back to the house and like re-like it's been how many nine years? Nine years. It's been nine years. We're gonna go back and look at the house anyway. And turns out husband Mark and son David still live there and they moved upstairs. Yeah. They're, they're in her apartment now. And
1: Mark's not up for a chit-chat. No. no, nope. He's not He's not inviting you in for a cup of tea. He's like, nah, talk to my lawyer.
0: And, you know, the cop is very clear to say, like, that doesn't make me think he did it. Yeah. It'd be nice if he'd let me in. But, like, it's maybe the reason why he's not here in this episode. I, because I, it's sort of I, like, maybe they just want to move on and we are, we don't know and we need to, like, keep things normal for my son. I
1: kind of agree. And look at me agreeing with a man twice. But, I, I mean, you know, things can happen. The sun sh- can shine on a Dog's ass, but I, you know, I kind of am. He's like, what now? No, I like we've we've moved on. We've mourned, you know. I don't know.
0: And it, you know, the last thing this guy tells us is that there is a piece of evidence in the boxes that he can't really tell us about because it's like still an active investigation. It is something that potentially implicates one person, like an actual specific person, but they don't have enough evidence at this point to make a move on it, so they can't really talk about it. Yeah
1: hate that. It's like when someone writes on Facebook like big news coming. Like, I know. Shut up till you have the news. So that's where the episode
0: ends. Are there updates on the case?
1: No. So this case remains open and unsolved and if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Susan Walsh please contact the Nutley Police Department at 973 284 4940. Maybe something knows. I mean listen we just got updates on the Molly Bish case. Yeah. These things yeah. happen. Oh my god that's right. I know. Listen you never know Who's listening? Say something funny.
0: I could murder an order of Buffalo Wings right now. Can we get dominoes. Bow <laughs> Bow Bow Bow. You guys, we love you so much. You guys, don't forget, we've got our first live show weekend, July 16th and 17th. There's still some tickets available for the 17th. Come hang out with us at our first live show weekend. We're arranging meetups so you can all be best friends. We're going to show up and hang out with you guys, too. Tell them how fun it's going to be. It's going to be fun. Tell them about how many surprises we have for them. We have so many surprises. (laughs) Tell them how it's going to change their lives. It's going to change. I mean, that's
1: that, don't be crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we love you when I kiss. I can't wait to hug and kiss.
0: I'm probably going to kiss everyone. Oh, Just my God. Just be prepared. Yeah. Put on some lip smackers. Also, you guys, join us on the Patreon. Every month you get three full bonus episodes to download and binge right away. There's over like 15, 16 episodes to get right this second. I'm sure there's more, but okay. Don't you think they're so funny? Yeah, I do. They're really so funny, Oh, you guys. we love
1: you. Thank you so much. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. You can also join our our Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared podcast <laughs> discussion group, and if you feel like being generous, give us five stars on iTunes and tell the world why you love us so that we can grow our family and our audience. We love you so much. Are you gonna tell them where to find you on TikTok? Ellen Marie Marsh. They know. <laughs> they know.
0: We love you guys. Love you.
1: Bye. So we meet Papa Floyd. How cute is Papa Floyd? There were
0: so many old men in this episode, and I was watching it at one point two five. I couldn't. Maybe there were straight. two.
1: <laughs> I love
0: you so much. You
1: have the hyperbolic uh-huh. skills of a toddler. Thank you. Like yeah, like oh my God, thank you. Yeah, a toddler will be like, that no, were a million. <laughs> there were two.
0: I really want those buffalo wings. Yeah,
1: are you? You, know, are you okay, I man? really,
0: really want the buffalo wings. Yeah. I'm now starving. <laughs> I've gone from being really feeling queasy about the blood to thinking about the buffalo wings, and now I'm starving, and I really
4: want that.
1: Okay, what can I do to help you in this moment? <laughs> Besides maybe go away. <laughs> Do you remember how to spell boobless on a pager? My brothers and I used to do it. <laughs> but why would you need like boobless? Yeah, I mean, or you could do boobies. Okay. <laughs> or you could do you could do hello.
0: Oh, that I'm not sure. 07734! <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh... Joey's like, I'm not going in there if there's not air conditioning, bitch! Shall we, y'all! Uh... I need it to be 67 degrees, bitch! Jennifer, is any of this funny? I don't know. (laughs)